like to welcome those who are worshiping with us on LiveGate Outreach TV and those who are listening to the podcasts of this message today. I want to say God bless you right where you are. May God continue to increase you on every side. In the name of Jesus. We are in a digital age and it is much easier for us to get across to the world. It's interesting to hear people testify on social media within minutes of how they heard the word that they blessed them. It is very interesting. When I started preaching uh, pulpit ministry in the year 1992, we could never have imagined. We could never have imagined that without the complex technology of uh, TV satellites that we knew at that time, it was going to be possible by the internet. We could never have imagined. We could never have imagined that we can have devices in front of us that allow us access to more than 30, 40, 50 translations of the Bible at the same time. Because we used to carry four, five hard copy Bibles to come and preach. We will have amplified, King, you must have King James. If you don't have King James, you are not a preacher. <laughs> you must have King James. And we had all those verses, all those translations, and that was how we preached. But God has so helped this generation. We are a generation that is so blessed. We are so blessed. Let us make the most of the blessings of God, not just to engage in, in things that are unimportant, but to use it to advance this kingdom. And may God continue to help us in Jesus' name. So I want to thank God. By the grace of God, we are starting a brand new series today on uh, creative prosperity. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big hand, a big, big hand. Amen. If you, look at, if you look very well, for the last six months or so, we have been looking at the creative principles throughout this year because it's our covenant season of divine uh, creativity. So what God is, is inspiring me to get us to look at this time, this last nine weeks of the year, is to look at some creative principles of prosperity. Now, I want you to know something. By the grace of God, I read the Bible. I have been reading the Bible. I've virtually been reading the Bible all my life, ever since I was born. But what God has been helping me to teach, particularly in the last few years, are things that I have tested myself. Things that not just I have I've read or that I have seen in the lives of others, but in over 90% of the cases, I have tested it myself. And I've seen that those are godly principles that when we engage them, they truly work for us. Um, if we had three hours today, I tell you, it will not be enough for me to cover what I want to cover. But don't be worried. I'm not going to keep you here for three hours. There is so much to talk about what we want to start on on this message. We are going to look at nine parts of how these principles can help us to creatively engage with divine prosperity. And so we are going to look today on the Creative prosperity principle of timing. Next week, we'll look at order as we always do. You see all the topics there. And the one we're looking at right when we get to week nine, we'll look at the very last one, the chief cornerstone. So we'll explain each week how they all fit in. But I just want to say again and again, we as a church that God has called to raise with him and for him a people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity, we must understand what those things mean what purity means, what power means, what purpose means. The last nine weeks, we looked at purpose. We looked at how to fulfill purpose with the various principles that we engaged. And if you have missed any of those, please go over them again uh, on, the, on the podcasts that have been uploaded. Everything is updated on YouTube and uh, our, um, uh, our audio port portals as well. So please go through them again. But as we look at this next series on creative prosperity, I want you to, whatever you have seen before that you think you know about this thing, I just want you to engage. When we were at the Power Tower today, Brother Yemi was leading us in prayers and he was telling us about the importance of the heart of man and how it is important that we let our hearts always be fertile grounds. And just yesterday, I was almost going to tap my wife because she, she was doing the communion with some of the sisters, so I couldn't get to her. I was almost going to tap her that this is what I was sharing with you yesterday. The importance of the heart of man. The importance of the heart of man. Your heart is everything. Your heart is everything. The world is looking for nothing but your heart. It doesn't need your flesh. It doesn't need your hand or anything. It just needs your heart. If the world gets your heart, it gets everything. That's why the Bible says the parable of the sower is that the sower went out to sow the word and the grounds are the heart of men. And then he began to show us the different categories of the hearts. 
And so it is important that we engage. And this morning, we was saying that we should let our hearts be open. And so I want to encourage you, let your heart be open. Don't say, oh, I've listened to time management. I'm, a, I'm an expert in time management. I know some of you here can teach time blindfolded. <laughs> Even in the academic sense, some of you can teach it because we teach, we teach time principles. We teach time management and so on. But this is not about that. This is about looking at the word of God, understanding the principle of timing on how you can truly be a prosperous person by the hand of God. I must again emphasize the importance that prosperity is God's will for mankind. We have heard so much of attack on the word of prosperity in the body of Christ in our day and age because of foolishness. Foolishness on the part, I must say first and foremost, of preachers and then foolishness on the part of those who should know better, who should study their word and just allow the balance of the word of God to prevail. Foolishness on the part of preachers because preachers in many cases have turned the word of prosperity into things that have to do with just gaining, uh, you know, self-gain and just amassing wealth for themselves and living flamboyantly. All that is nonsense. That's not what kingdom prosperity is about. Now, of course, God can bless you. God can bless anybody and he will bless you and you should live life comfortably, but that's not the purpose of prosperity. The kingdom prosperity we are talking about is the ability God gives to us to be able to have an all-sufficiency. When we talk about creative prosperity, we are talking about the achievement of the all-sufficiency supply of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. The sufficiency, let's read it together. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may what have an abundance for every good work can you see all grace all sufficiency every good work you need those three things when you are talking about prosperity start from the end it is about doing good work it's not about amassing a good life, in quote. So it is about doing good work. And then if you go back to stage two, it is about having all sufficiency in all things so that you can do every good work. And then where does it come from? It comes from all grace. All grace. There are different graces that you need to have in place. And I've said this so many times that helps you to get to doing every good work. Part of the grace you and I need to deliver, develop is the grace to understand the principle of timing. The grace to understand times and seasons. The grace to know how to manage times and seasons. This is a grace that when we get it, as part of the creative power of God, he has enabled us to access the principles of times and seasons right from the foundation of the earth. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, verse 2. And verse 3, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Let's read together. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Verse 5. Read verse 5. Shout it as much as you can. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Can you imagine that? This is where time started. The first day. God had existed. When we talk about the beginning, I've always explained this to you. The beginning is the beginning of time, but there is a beginning before that beginning that has no time bound, that is not time bound. Just like there is an end after the end that will also be timeless. But in between this eternal space, there is a place called the beginning, which had this first day by God's design, and there is a place that's going to be the end, which everyone will come to, whoever you are. Now, some people will come to it by way of death, before time, before that day. Some, like Paul said, will come to it at the end of time. When, and Peter said also that everything will melt away. Everything about this earth will finish after the Lord returns and he comes to take us home. Then there will be the end of this earth as it is. God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. So he set in 
motion, a process of times and season. The night, the, the, the light he called day and the darkness he called the night. So this creation led to the separation of light from darkness and also informed what we now know as the seasons. And then from there, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, like we read in verse 1, right through to verse 11. Those of you listening by, by, by audio or watching the video, we read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 to 11 in our Bible reading. Now, it says this in verse 1, to everything, to everything. Somebody say everything. It said to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. To everything, there is a season. And there is also a time for every purpose under heaven. Time is attached to purpose. Time and purpose sit in seasons. Time is attached to purpose. But time and purpose sit within seasons. Now, believers must have this mindset. To understand that by God's design, the very day he said, let this be the first day, he put in process a place of time and seasons. Every one of us must understand this. If you read from verse 2 right through to verse 10, he kept on talking about the first thing he said is a time to be born and a time to die. Because those two things define the time you can actually achieve any purpose on life as a person. A time to be born and a time to die. And you see, the truth is that no human being knows what happens in those two times. We don't know when we are born. And when we die, we may know, the person may know because they've been told that so-so day they will die with advances in medical technology these days. But the moment they stop at that point, they don't know anymore. They are now crossed over into eternity. And this is why we as Christians always believe and teach that every one person on earth must live their lives to the eternal values of the kingdom that will take them beyond that point. Anybody that says nothing happens after that time is just believing a lie. Because something has existed before you were born. And something who is called God will continue to exist after you were born. When the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today and forever. Yesterday was the day before Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. That was the beginning before the beginning. That is the yesterday in eternity. Today is the phase we are living in today, right now. Then forevermore is the day that will proceed after everyone dies or after the coming of the Lord and the world ceases. So it is important that we understand the principles. Verse 11 says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity where? In their hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to the end. This is where we must understand the importance of seeking God to know what he does. He, re, he has put eternity in our hearts, but we, must, we have a responsibility to keep searching out, to keep searching out. The Bible says Daniel understood by books that this God changes times and seasons and that the time of the Babylonian captivity was coming to an end so he could act. Nehemiah had the burden to understand that the time for the walls of Jerusalem to be rebuilt was at hand so he could act. Jesus knew that his time had come so he could lay down his life and so he could act. If you don't know the time, you will waste the time and make nonsense of the season that should deliver for you. When we are talking about prosperity and we're talking about making the most of what gives to us part time, we need to understand how sensitive these things are. I will give you some testimonies of my life today that will make you understand. Like I said, these are things I've tested many times. Things where many times, many years later, I ask, what if I was not there at that time? What if I did not ask this person this question that time? What if and what if? Because things would have been so different. Even the day I married, my, I, I, I agreed, I started a friendship with my wife. What if I did not speak to her that very day? Because it was not anything planned. It was not planned at all. In fact, the last thing I wanted to do was to speak to a woman about marriage because I had just been jilted. Somebody say, oh. <laughs> I had just been jilted by the person I thought was going to do ministry with me and sing along with me when I'm preaching like this. She just sang herself out of my life. 
So I was, I was still very bitter and I didn't want to, whether you were a sister, even if you are carrying the cross on your head, I didn't want to see you. So if, if I, I went on in that, my bitterness of heart that day, I don't know. I don't know. Because 10 days after we agreed, I told you our own was very supernatural and I always tell young people, don't go and do it unless God tells you so. We met May 7 and by May 10 we agreed we'll get married. And by the grace of God we've been married ever since and God has been good to us. But please and please, don't go and try that. Don't meet somebody three days and say, there's a pastor that said that he walked like that. I didn't send you that kind of work. So, <laughs> praise the Lord. But yes, God said it was time we declared and so on. But what am I trying to say? Ten days after we agreed to marry, somebody came and met me. One of the sisters in the undergraduate fellowship that I was supporting to kind of mentor. On the campus, very respected lady. She was the Bible study secretary or something like that, or prayer secretary. When you are those kind of, Pastor Sefers, you know those kind of people. <laughs> when they are coming, it's like fire is coming like this. Nobody challenges them. If they say, does says the Lord. Everybody, whether you're a man or woman, <laughs> those kind of sisters, fire brand like that. She used to wear one hat. Like when she put it in one corner, just <laughs> all demons, we know that she's coming. <laughs> and from nowhere, this lady just came to me. She said, she needs to see me. And I said, okay. I thought it was some counseling. And, uh, she said, when will be convenient for me in the evening? And, uh, you know, I just agreed with her. I said, okay, no problem. Let's meet at seven at so-so place and all that. So we met there and we sat down. And she looked at me. I said, Brother Dave, God told me that you are my husband. I said, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> you know what God used to save me? Thank God I had committed to somebody else. Because that kind of woman, she can confuse you. You will think you are the one that is not spiritual to hear God. I said, Lord, what am I going to tell this, this dear sister? I said, God told you. I said, you know what we'll do? We have to pray so that God will tell me to. <laughs> I don't doubt what you, whatever you say God tells you, but because this will also involve me, we have to pray. And so I had to use wisdom because two things. One, I knew she wasn't the one. I was very convinced that the person I spoke to, my wife, and we started, my fiancé that time was the person. But at the same time, I know that I should not handle this matter carelessly because this can damage, I was kind of respected. And this can damage this sister who believes she knows everything and she hears from God. It can damage her faith and all that. And I didn't want that to happen. So I said to her, that I will pray, and I mean it, I will pray. But I want you to know I'm already committed to a relationship. I didn't hide that. I'm already committed to a relationship. But because you came and said this, I will pray. And I prayed with her, and I want to thank God right before my eyes, right before my very eyes, she got engaged on that same campus to another pastor who had already left the campus, but somehow they met. And I was one of the very first people that she came to introduce the person to. And so I really want to thank God for that. But I keep asking myself, what if I did not move when God said, talk to this person and tell her you have found a friend for life? I would have been confused when that lady came. So we must understand the importance of time. I will explain to you the importance of time, chance, and seasons very shortly. Time is a slice of eternity. It allows us to perform certain activities within a defined portion of eternity. When you are in secondary school, you are in a time of eternity. And everything you study in secondary school is secondary school subject that is relevant to secondary school. You must leave that time of eternity to graduate to something else after that point. And then what you are still studying in another season of study, but you are no longer studying those same subjects you studied in secondary school. Because you are now in a new season under a different time. Seasons are cyclical spaces within time. Cyclical. They come every now and then. This is, in this, this is why in this church, God led me to understand that we should not be calling it our year of something. We call it a season because the season gives it the power to come back again. If God wants you to, we are talking about divine creativity this year. If we move to something else, which we have talked about, ne about next year, and we move into it, it doesn't mean if God wants that season of divine creativity to come back to you as a person, it will not come back. So we don't call it the year of, because if you call it the year of, now this is, I'm not saying that those people who do that are wrong. This is the understanding God gave me. If you say 19, 2019 is my year of divine creativity, by December 31, 2019 will cease forever. 
So are you saying divine creativity now ceases forever in your life? No. So, but if it is a season, seasons have the ability to come back. I hope it's, it's clear to us. Praise the Lord. So seasons are cyclical. Genesis 8, 22. The Bible says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, day and night shall not cease. Time will continue. And seasons will continue to happen in those patterns. Winter, summer, winter, summer, winter, summer. Every season well defined, unless you live in England. That's where you don't know the difference between winter and summer at times. But the reality is that there is a winter, there is a summer. We know that there are months we agree are generally regarded as winter months. November, December, January, February. We call those months the winter months. And then we have the spring months, March, April, May. We call them the spring months. And then the summer months, we have them as June, July, August. Right through to early September-ish, we call them the, 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 the summer months. And then we have autumn again, September, October, taking us right through to November. So every one of those things, they come back every year. Now look at it like this. Within every season, you have some months. You have time that is expended. You expend the time in this season. This winter, you are expending time. Next winter, God sparing our lives, Jesus starting to come, we will be in another season of winter, but you are expending time, but you see, the time is within a different context in the same season. Because you are now a year older, you, are now a, you have now advanced in certain things of life. You now have a different set of challenges. Last year, you had a child who was preparing to go into secondary school. This year, you now have them in secondary school. You are in winter. It's the same child, but you need to understand the concept of how you spend time in that season because it is a different disposition. Am I making sense? It is the same way that God expects us to engage in terms of how he leads us in divine prosperity. We must know how to know when to sow the right seeds. Look at that. It says seed time. That's the only time it talks about time. Everything else are seasons. Harvest is a season. Cold is a season. Heat is a season. Winter is a season. Summer is a season. But seed time is a time that you must know as God defines for you to engage. Look at it this way. If you, if you sow a seed of orange in a good ground where it should grow, after some years, five years, ten years, it starts to produce fruit for you annually. Every season, it produces fruit from that singular seed. So if you miss the seed time or you did not put that seed in there at the right time, that potential of that harvest to keep coming in the seasons that it ought to come will not be there. This is why we must understand what is seed time in everything. Now, again, this is one of the things that has been so misconstrued in the body of Christ. People think seed time only has to do with money. When they say seed time, some people say, ah, I don't want to, ah, Pastor G, this seed, this seed, this seed. <laughs> it has nothing to do with collecting your money. Of course, it is a seed if you sow money in that regard and God allows it to bring back for you later on. But even in your investment, your private life, if you invest some money, some of us were, were when our children were born in the, in the early 2000s, Mr. Gordon Brown asked us to open a child trust account for some of those children. And those children were given a voucher of 250 pounds by the government first time and then another 250 pounds by the government by that time. And then they suggested to you that you could keep putting some money every month. Do you know that each of those seeds that were sown in quote at that time are now worth thousands? They are now worth thousands, thousands. Because there is a way that seed comes round in bringing harvest at different times. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so we must understand these things. Look at it this way. You are looking left to right, so I will go right to left. This is the beginning. This is the end. Okay? In the beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth. And at the end of time, everything will cease. And then there will be eternity after. There is eternity before now, and there is eternity. There are going to be eternity after. But you see, within this time, 
Just imagine, fix your eyes, fix your eyes. I know you cannot hold it much, but fix your eyes here and fix your eyes here. In between those time are seasons, whatever you call them. Cold and heat, cold and heat, cold and heat to the end of time. Winter and summer, winter and summer, winter and summer to the end of time. Day and night, day and night, day and night to the end of time. Every one of those seasons requires you to engage with God in time. Every unit of time is part of a micro season that belongs to the macro season of beginning and the end. A micro season is like a minute. When you say a minute, you have 60 seconds in one minute. When you say an hour, you have 60 minutes in one hour. When you say a day, you have 24 hours is the unit of time in one day. So if you quantify your time, that's why when you go to work, they pay you per hour, isn't it? They pay you per hour. Every one person's work is rationalized to a per hourly rate, whatever you do. And so even if you are given a bulk sum at the end of the, at the, end of the month, you are paid per hour. So in every hour, you must be productive. In every unit of time, you must be productive because it is the culmination of it that gives you a productive season. It is the culmination of productivity with time that gives you a productive season in every season of life. Whatever season of life you are in, you must learn how to engage with God so, can, so that you can be creatively prospering as God allows you to move from season to season. It takes God for us to understand this, but I pray. The Bible says, while the earth remains, in the beginning and at the end. That is the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And any time will come, the earth will melt away and will be burnt up and everything will vanish. But while it remains, while it remains, the principle of seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night will not cease. If you want to be a master, you must be a person that understands times and seasons. This is why those that joined up with David in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, we read about them a lot. In verse 1, the Bible says, These men were called to David in Ziklag while he was still a fugitive from Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men, helpers of war. Go straight to verse 22. The Bible says, For at that time, these people came to David day by day to help him until it was a great army like the army of God. But look at verse 23. He said, Now these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped. For war, and they came to David at Hebron to do what? To turn over the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord to prosper him was that he was going to become a king. Here, go back to verse 1. Here he was still living like what? A fugitive. While he was still a fugitive from the same Saul that he should have his throne. And the Bible says these people started to come one by one, one by one. But there was a tribe that was listed among all the tribes that came, verse 32. We talk about them a lot, just to give you the context. They were the ones in charge because of this one thing we are talking about. Let's read together. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were what? 200, and all their brethren were at their command. Many believers pray for divine pro promotion. Lord, help me to rise in my workplace. Help me to... Do you know that no matter where you walk, what makes you a leader and what gives you responsibility is your ability to deploy and understand the times. The commercial world that we are living in now is very harsh. Every employer is looking for troubleshooters, people who will foresee where the market is going. Whether you are in academia, when I started in academia almost 30 years ago now, you know, as, 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 as quickly as it comes, it was not a commercial world. It was not a commercial, you just go in and teach and come out. You go in and teach and come out. You know, draw the line and say, I'm going 90, this and that, and you get it, you don't get it, that's it, you are gone. <laughs> life, has, life has changed. Life has moved many miles from there. It is now a commercial world. It's a business. It's a business. If the guy cannot draw two lines, but he's paying his fees very well. You have to keep him there. <laughs> you have to keep him there and teach him by force. Those days, they drive him out and say, he can't be taught. <laughs> you don't do that anymore. <laughs> you, whatever you have to do now to teach him, you do it. 
<laughs> which, which, which VC do you want to tell that you, you drove out about five, five students that they, they did they, they are, they are doors? Ah. <laughs> you will, he will tell you, have you engaged all the pedagogic principles that you know? <laughs> Everything they taught you, have you engaged it? Everybody must understand that you must be somebody who understands times. If you want to be a leader, what distinguishes a leader and somebody who can lead a team and a group of people is their ability to understand the times and to know what Israel ought to do. This is why we need to pray for these things. Somebody will say, but Pastor David, how does all this relate to creative prosperity? Don't forget, I've told you, this prosperity I'm talking about is not just about you acquiring money. It's talking about you fulfilling destiny, achieving all sufficiency so that you can abound unto every good work. May God continue to help us in Jesus' name. I'll quickly tell us a few things in understanding this principle of timing for creative prosperity. The first thing I would like to say is time is irreversible. Time is irreversible. I've been speaking now for about 40 minutes, 30 minutes. I've stood up here for about 40 minutes or so, speaking for about 30 of those as such. But you know, the reality is that every one minute that has gone by can never come back again. They're gone forever. Gone. Time is irreversible and it must be redeemed. That's why Ephesians 5 verse 15 tells us, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. Walk wisely. Verse 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You see, that it's like, time is like something that has already been stretched out. And has already been taken up by evil. That's what I'm trying to explain by that scripture. It's, a, it's like every day has already been taken up by evil. That evil doesn't necessarily mean somebody wants to kill you or something bad wants to happen. It just simply means it, the waster has already taken it. You have to redeem it from the waster. Am I making sense? The waster has already taken tomorrow. You have to wake up tomorrow to take the waste, to take your day from the waster. You have to wake up tomorrow. The waster has already filled tomorrow with useless activities. He has already filled tomorrow with things that will not take anybody anywhere. In fact, he fills it with things that will drown people. So you have to engage as you wake up in the day. You say, this is the day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice. I shall be glad in it. The waster has filled it with sadness already. So you break into redeeming the time with joy, according to the word of God. The waster has filled it with hopelessness. You say, no, this is the day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad. I will be joyful in it. You engage with the day like that. Then your mind begins to open up. You get to the workplace. The waster starts to suggest to people that this is where you are going to end. There's no way for you to make progress here. And so on and so forth. And you continue to break. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Any time you don't redeem is wasted or lost. This is why the Bible says the, the word redeem means to buy back. It means to take it back. It's been taken, but you mean that is why we are called the redeemed. Because Christ bought us back with his blood. So to redeem time is to invest it. To use it productively. By active engagement. Or even by multitasking. Many of us do not understand that this time that is irreversible can be well spent by engaging conscientiously. You see, when you wake up without a plan, or when you spend a week, a month, a year without a plan, you will waste time. You will not redeem time as you ought to. So you have to be intentional about redeeming time. Everything you can do, like I was telling you about how our world is so, so, so blessed today with all the technology we have. Technology gives us many opportunities to redeem time. Things that we could not do before. Do you know that these days when I'm very tired and I'm typing my notes and I'm doing so many things and I find that typing is harder for me. I started this almost two years ago now. Typing is harder for me. I pick my pen and start to write. I start to write. I start to write. Then I start to read to my tablet. I start to read to it line by line. I say, I, <laughs> time is universal. And I'll see it, right? Time is universal. Next line, next line. <laughs> And I'll read to it like that, and it'll take everything from me. But while I'm doing that, I'm more relaxed because I have redeemed time. If I, was, if I find that I'm, I'm tired in that way, and I'm wasting, and, I'm, and I go on engaging with time to type, I will waste time. 
Many of you ladies, you, you have machines all around you these days. You have the dishwasher. Even men, you, you should be doing those things. You have the dishwasher. You have the washing machine. You have the microwave. Do you know that you can be doing three things at the same time and yet be praising God in that kitchen? But you put the microwave on. You put it in and then you call somebody who is another time waster. Is that what happened? <laughs> That's wasting your time. You can be listening to the audio Bible. That time that you are saying, hey, hey, you would, <laughs> you would have finished three chapters of the Bible before the cake is baked. You would have finished three chapters of the Bible before the, the, the children's clothes are washed. You can do so many things with time. In your car, you can multitask. The reason I have been using an iPad for since the year 2010 now, by the grace of God, is that I found that this is one of the best tools that God has ever delivered to mankind. You can call it anything you want, but this is my own definition of this thing. It is such a helpful tool for me. It carries everything. My diary, my notes, everything is here. Everything I need to prepare tomorrow is all here. I'm backed up in the cloud. When we traveled to Miami last July for our holiday, I forgot my iPad on the plane. <laughs> Somebody say, ah. <laughs> I thought it was the end of the world. I thought that, in fact, I thought the world has just... <laughs> I was just saying, Jesus, come back. <laughs> because not that I couldn't retrieve many things, but the reality is that the work I did for eight hours on that flight, on that very old Boeing 747 that should have been thrown away by British Airways, I would say, had no Wi-Fi, nothing, so I could not back it up. So I kept on doing it, I kept on doing it, and I left it there. Now, as we, we were getting off the plane, just the time I was to take the bags from the cabin, and to allow the family and my wife especially to start going out was when I forgot. And I remember, it was when we got into the taxi and we were going to the hotel. Halfway, I said, where is my iPad? Where is my iPad? Everybody started check checking their bags. <laughs> because everybody could imagine what will happen if this iPad is missing today. But you know something? It was gone. And when we got to the hotel, I said to myself, I said, David, you have to be fair to the family. Don't ruin their holiday because of your iPad. So I had to muzzle up a lot of energy and told them, you know, you guys just go out, go explore the area. And then I started looking for lost and found and how I can get things. By the grace of God, I found it. You see, it's the same iPad. <laughs> I found it. But you know something? My daughter said to me, said, Dad, I can give you mine. You can wipe it off. I'll back up my stuff. You can wipe it off and download your things from the cloud. I said, you know, you make sense. That is true. You know, I will still not be able to get some things that were on the tablet itself, not on the cloud. But do you know, that would have worked perfectly. I thanked her for it. I didn't do that because somehow I was assured I would get it again. But that is how much life has so advanced. I could virtually take another tablet given to me, wiped off, and go and put my own details in and download everything from the cloud. And it will seem as if it's my own tablet exactly. We are a blessed generation. But I tell you, when they found it and they, I called them and they told me they found it, it was as if Jesus has actually come. <laughs> I was very happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Time is irreversible. Make the most of time. Learn to multitask. Learn to multitask. Learn to do many things at the same time. Don't overwork yourself. But many of us are wasting time not doing things that we can do at the same time. Learn from people. If you see somebody who can multitask, study them. See how they are multitasking. When, my, when our, our last child was born, I took, I, took her to, I took the mom to the hospital, so they were still in the hospital. Then I asked a young man who came for my wedding, uh, my last birthday, we haven't seen him in a long time, he came. I said, you should please look after the boys for me. The boys were very young, four-ish and that kind of age. So <laughs> when I went to the hospital and came back, I, I saw him in the morning. He was giving a shower to the two of them in the bathtub at the same time. I'd never seen such a thing. The two of them, I said, ah, bro, what are you doing? He said, ah. He said, do you, how do you do it? He said, do you take one by one? I said, I do them one by one. He said, ah, you're a time waster. He said, my mother used to line up four of us like that. <laughs> so he would put soap on this one. As he's putting water on that one, he's doing like that. He will start with this one again, like a kind of a production plant. <laughs> And that was the first time in my life. I, you know, I could never imagine that. But he taught me things that day. By the time he saw me six months later, I was changing two diapers at the same time. 
By the time he saw me, six months later, I had advanced. <laughs> no time to wait. Look for ways to multitask. Look for ways. If you cannot read books, get audio books. Get audio. There is a lot of subscription you can have these days. Ten pounds. And you can get any book whatsoever. All the books you see, a lot of the books you see published in the last ten years are all available audio. Whether professional book or spiritual book. They are all available. Your Bible can be written to you. You can do a lot of these things. Believers will say, well, we don't have time. We don't have time. God has given us time. It is irreversible. Let's not waste it. Number two, very important, time is universal. Time is universal. It is the only resource given to mankind equally. You know what? If you don't use the time that God has given to you, it is not God's fault. Have you ever met somebody and you say to them, why haven't you done this? When are you going to apply for this thing? He says, ah, I just don't have time. Just don't have time. No, 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 no. You have time. It's just for you to know how to plan the time that you have. Everybody has time. Say with me, everybody has time. And when we talk about this time and seed sowing, like I said, it's not only about money. At times, you don't know what God is doing when you are doing his work. In the year 19, when I finished my degree, I thought I was going to be getting a job in an oil company. Most of the people my age at that time, I was barely 20, 21, and I had a 2-1 in engineering, civil engineering. It was the hot, hot point that time. All the oil companies wanted anybody like me, young and like that. So I was very confident I would land an oil, oil company job back in, in Nigeria. And it never came through. I tried the first one, tried the second one, I'll get to third stage, something will happen. It never came through. So I gave up. I said, well, God does not have this plan for me. I'm saying this so that we can learn something. You see, there is a way that you may be thinking God wants to do your life, but he has other plans. You need to understand that you need to just engage with whatever he gave you. When I got into the campus doing my master's, that time I told you I met my wife, I was preaching to a young man who was also doing his master's. He was a Muslim. I used to drag him, come to fellowship. He said, David, I've told you I'm a Muslim. I said, I don't care. Just come to fellowship. You know, I used to drag him like that. And we did that for about two years. He never came to fellowship, not once with me. He left. I never knew that he had me in mind for anything. When he went to where he was going to work in another town, I went to another city to work. He went to another city. In 1994, two years after, one day I sat in my office and two people came from his firm. And they said, are you David Oloki? I said, yes. He said, our boss wants to see you because somebody has recommended you for a job in a company and you are going to become a resident engineer and blah, 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 blah. And I was, at that point, I was a lecturer and I was really looking for an opportunity to go into industry. Now, who was the person? This same guy. This same guy that I was preaching to two years before. His boss called him one day. I said, don't you have any colleague anywhere that can... They are all water engineers. Most of them are water engineers. They say, don't you have any colleague that can do structures, that can do civil structures? He said, I have one guy. He said, but be ready. He's going to preach to all of you. <laughs> he said, there's a guy there, but when he comes here, he will preach to the whole company. He said, I need him desperately. I don't care if he will preach to the goods. Just bring him desperately. And as soon as I got there, by the grace of God, the rest is history. In six years, God took my life and transformed it completely. When I was inviting the guy to fellowship, it was like I was wasting my time. When I was building that relationship with him. When you are doing the things of God, you don't know what God is planning for you. It is a seed time. It is a seed time. I say it is a seed time. There is a harvest every time you sow something for God. There is a harvest of return. The good thing with the harvest of God is that it comes in ways that you never could have imagined. May God continue to grant us understanding. In the name of Jesus, let us continue to do these things. I can give you so many examples, but because of our time, I will cut it. Time is universal. But what happens to us is that there are opportunities every time. Opportunities are the God-given moments to engage with the agenda of God for your life. Opportunities are the God-given moments to engage with the agenda of God for change for your life. When I was flying to China in the year 2012, I was in Doha. Some of you would have remembered this. I was on transit at the very lovely airport in Qatar, Doha. My first time there and maybe probably last so far. And uh, I was in that place just admiring the place. Beautiful place. Beautiful concourse. And I, I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, opportunities are like airplanes at an airport. 
You don't need all of them to get to where you are going, but you always need to be on time to catch yours. When opportunity comes, it comes within a space of time. Some will just give you five seconds. Some will give you five minutes. Some will give you five hours. Some will give you five days. Some will give you five months. It doesn't matter. But if you waste the five months or the five seconds, you lose it all the same. They come, you can't miss it. If you miss it, that means that opportunity is gone and you have to wait for another opportunity out of the mercies of God. This is when God made me to see Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11. He said, I returned and saw under the sun, Ecclesiastes 9 11, I saw under the sun that what the race is not to the sweet, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but what? Time and Time and time and everybody. Is it happens to who? Does it happen to only rich people? Does it happen to only pastors? Does it happen to only Christians? You are, you are not answering me. Does it happen to only Christians? He says it happens to them all. Every human being in God's agenda is given time and chance. Most believers know time, but they don't recognize chance when it comes. Many people will have chance like this. They don't recognize. They don't recognize. If you, if you bungle up chance, you may find yourself setting yourself back in many things. Time and chance happens to them all. I was preaching like this in the year 2002. 2002 was a very glorious year for me, by the way. <laughs> the year 2002, I was preaching like this in a church, just blessing the people, blessing the people. Didn't know what next, just about to finish my PhD. And suddenly, after the service, my dean walks up to me and he says, Brother Dave, do you need a job? I said, sir, you know I'm a PhD student and I've not yet finished. And I was telling my own boss what he knows about me. He said, I said, do you need a job? And then it said, that settled it. That, but to cut the long story short, that was how I got my first work permit. Chance. At that point, I had already got permanent residency to Canada. If I was telling the man, I'm about to go to Canada. <laughs> I've not reached there yet, but my accent was already Canada. <laughs> I'm about to, you know, sir, I'm about to go to Canada. And he say, I said, do you need a job? I don't know about Canada or anything. <laughs> So I was a bit confused. I had permanent residency in Canada. Should I go and take permanent residency and look for a job there? Or should I stay here and gamble a work permit? But I thank God I took the right chance. Hallelujah. Time and chance will happen to you. And you will keep taking the right chance. In the name of Jesus. Those of you in business, some days, some business opportunities will come to you. You will hear things. They will ask you to come and do something. And you will say, no, I don't do that kind of thing. Don't rush to say that. Unless the Holy Spirit tells you right there and then say no. If you are just using your sense knowledge, before you say, I don't do that kind of thing, say, please, call me back in an hour. Is that okay? Call me back tomorrow. Then think, pray. Maybe it's not something you have never done before. But at the time you now hear it, I've had many business opportunities like that. If you come to me and I will say, ah, no, sorry, I don't, I will almost say, sorry, I don't do that. And the Holy will say, no, tell them to call you back tomorrow. Then by the time I sit down and I say, Lord, what is it? Then you say, this is what you will do. Take the business. Call this person. Tell them a business is coming. This is what they will do for you. This is what they will do for you. This is your own percentage. Simple. <laughs> is it complicated? <laughs> and they'll do it. Everybody will do it. The job, because you know that those people can do those things. There was a time. Sister Comfort here. She's I saw it, okay, she's downstairs. There was a time I called her to do fish business about 10 years ago. She said, ah, pastor, you do fish? I said, I don't do fish. <laughs> you have a lab. They were looking for labs that tested food that was going across EU. I said, don't you do lab? He said, she does lab. I said, hey, it's fishes. We are going to test it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't be afraid. I was ready for that business at that time. It, it, later on, the people did not carry it through, but I was ready to do it. I would already discussed with her. I will get the deal, tell your company, you will do all the testing for me. And this is what I will charge. Those people have told me what they will pay me. So I said, this is what I will charge all of you. And I, 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 I will pay you uh, to, to do it for me. Never be afraid. When I first called my, my, my boss about it, that I want, does he know anybody that does fish? He said, David, you, you want to do fish. <laughs> I don't know about fishes. I don't do fish. But you know something? Every time there is a chance, 
What is godly, you will not miss. What is devilish, you will not take. But time and chance will keep happening. You will not miss your own again. In the name of Jesus. Seasons of life, number three. Seasons of life give us opportunity to evaluate effectiveness of time. It is in every season that we are able to evaluate how we are performing with time. Let us not waste seasons. I would like to stop here because of our time. But I want to say this. If you are on the, the, the prayer meetings in the mornings, I'll be sharing some of the things. Like I said, there's so much here. But there's not enough time today. But I want you to know that God wants you to be a time manager. Never forget, let me conclude on this. Never forget that our times are in his hands. This is the difference between believers and unbelievers. Psalm 31 verse 15. This is the difference between you, a believer, with a relationship with God, and somebody without a relationship with God. The believer says, my times are in your hand. Our times are in God's hands. When we live like this, we fulfill time with more assurance that he is working with us. Some of the things we are doing today, go to Psalm 37 verse 7. Some of the things we are doing today, waiting on God, may look like we are wasting time. And it may look like people who are doing other things are going quicker. The Bible says, rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Even though we must be quick with time, let us understand the balance of waiting patiently for God. Because you should not fret. He said, let's read 37 verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Don't fret. Don't be threatened by people who are making it by false means. Some of you, your friends will be calling you from abroad, from your home country, telling you, what are you still doing there? We are making it here. Some of them are doing good stuff. Some of them, not so good. Not so good. It's when you get involved that you see that what they are saying is all fraud. Let's not be cut off by those things. Stay with God. God can give you clean prosperity. I said God can give you clean prosperity. And he will give you clean prosperity. In the name of Jesus. Just wait on God. Engage with his wisdom. Take the opportunities he gives you per time. Never waste it. As you rely on him, he will cause you to rest in him. In the name of Jesus. Please rise to your feet.